to point your toes, the adventures of NYC dance teacher. I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We will be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic. Competition 2.0. So our very first episode was, excuse me, was about competitions. And it was our first episode, and so we talked about things. But as we've rolled around into like year two, I realized we left a lot of stuff out or there are a lot of topics that we just like, should we talk about? And we didn't. This time we are. And let's start with the main one that like keeps coming up is money. Mm-hmm. Competitions are expensive, like ridiculously expensive. Um, I recently heard a story of a mom that like didn't really budget for it. And she has three daughters that were in dance and mom for one of the child for the upcoming comp one upcoming competition mom had spent about six hundred dollars on this one child Mm. i can only imagine how much she spent in between all three daughters and just for the record not a lot of america just has let's just say a couple thousand dollars sitting around that can be allocated to just dance well and not even just dance but like (laughs) when you're doing competitions not most of america doesn't have a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars laying around that they can use every single weekend. Right, because most studios that I know of, or every two to three competitions. Yeah, even if you get lucky on costuming, where you could use multiple costumes per competition, there are still entry fees or group fees. Right. Well, and to that's perform. that's the thing is like. I, we were talking about this before we started recording, so I did competitions for two years when I was, um, like, around fifth, sixth grade, so, like, my preteen years, so what would be considered, um, probably still the juniors, Mm -hmm. because it usually goes, like, mini juniors, teens, um, I think, and, um, there were competitions where they would, you know, there are multiple days, so we did about... I think we did three competitions that year because, yeah, usually you go to somewhere between, mm-hmm. like, two and and four for <clears throat> for the season. Yeah. And you would go, and it would be an all-weekend affair. So you'd have to get a hotel because they were never down the street. Oh, And no, even if never. they weren't that far away, like, I remember I had one in New Jersey and one in Connecticut, but we still had to stay over in a hotel because you had to be there super early to get ready for the competition. And then usually it was like a day of competition and then a day of convention classes after. Mm-hmm. And they would start again at like 7, 8 in the morning. So you'd have to stay over or it'd be two days of competition and a day of convention classes and, you know, whatever it was. So it's not even like, and that's honestly probably, I mean, there's other reasons why I stopped doing competition. One of them was, I switched studios to a non-competitive studio. We're going to talk about that too. But, yeah, so we'll get there. But it's also like I only do competitions for two years because it, and, you know, I was, I have a younger brother and sister. So when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, it'd be like, okay, well, it's mom and dad 
and the brother and sister coming, so we have to make sure we get a big enough hotel room, you know, right. or well, or whatever it was. So, but see, I also want to talk about that because see, I did, I was doing theater competitions all throughout high school, and then I also worked at a performing arts center where we house several competitions. So, like, we, I was, I was constantly around competitions when I was younger, or even like on the sports end. Like, my family was doing basketball tournaments. Like, so like, I've done more competitions and tournaments and things mm-hmm. like that all my whole life. Those, like, the the running around that it takes for that. Like, my parents were constantly playing the game of who's picking you up? Am I picking you up? Is a friend's mom picking yeah. you up? Where are you going? Yeah. Like, do you have money? Did your ga- dad give you money before you left? None of us gave you money, and you're about to go out of town for three days. We're coming to the school to hand you money right now, or you can't leave. You don't have it. Like, that game yeah. of, like a million moving parts because like I said my sis my siblings were all athletes so they are in they're doing competitions and things like that and I'm in theater and dance and so like we our conferences were literally like a whole week I would right. be gone for multiple weeks at a time out of school doing these competitions right and so there wasn't like it it would get very expensive like we would do fundraising things to try to bring down those costs but like at the end of the day the prices can really add up when we were talking about this post air if you're doing through a studio you're paying for your company class you're paying for normal dance classes yep you're paying for your company rehearsals yep if you're doing a solo you're paying for your private lessons for that solo and then you're paying for a brush up rehearsals mm-hmm. you know in between competitions and things like that if you're doing multiple compet if you're doing multiple pieces like two solos like oh, a yeah. music theater or solo a tap if, solo a contemporary even solo if you're, yeah that's all solo rehearsals a jazz do trio even, even if you're doing all group numbers like Jeez, i remember i only did one number i was only ever in one but i knew girls and some girls that were in my group and usually when i did i was in i did a small group so usually we were like no more than like 5 to 7 girls but I think there's it's like six or eight now. So yeah, have, there's some there's some girls that um were in the group with me, but were also in like the massive tap piece, and then they had a solo, yep. and then they were in the ballet trio. So it's like even if you're and doing the music theater group numbers are always huge, right? And so always even huge. if you're doing um group numbers, there's all these extra costs and rehearsals. So the thing is, like, they can be an amazing experience. I had a great time doing them. I'm super oh, grateful for that. I don't regret that. it not one bit. But the thing is that that it's not financially easy it's just really not and then the more you do the more you add on and it depends or on shoes you. sorry i just thought about this oh, we went yeah. through this in music theater where it's like the girls would need both tan and black mm. and then we got into like the length i think we talk, might have talked about this in an episode but like the length of character heels are oh like, yeah it has are to they two the inch same. are they half an inch like that whole thing in itself i just remember being like my tap shoes are enough of expensive. Like, I don't want to have to deal with, like... Because that's the thing. We did... Um, one of our big musicals... Uh, one of our competition shows was 42nd Street. So not only did you need normal character shoes, you needed tap character shoes for the girls. Mm-hmm. And, like... So, like, tap shoes are not cheap. No. <laughs> Mind you, I we were not near... I had lived outside... I grew up outside of the city of Atlanta. So we were not near a really big studio where you could just get all of these dance clothes. You were either ordering online or we were traveling an hour plus, 30 minutes to an hour into the city to get these things. Mm -hmm. You know, so like it was not, these are not cheap options. (laughs) Excuse me. And I also know that like for a lot of our listeners that are at, that are studio owners are in smaller places, like you're, the competitions are in the big city. So you are traveling two and three hours away to go to these competitions 
and mm-hmm. or to like I said to work with shops and things and get costumes or the constant thing that I always see during competition season is choreographers and studio owners raving about costume companies being back catalog you know trying to get all of their costumes in on time like when is their things going to ship are they going to get them on time like I know that's yep. constantly an issue every competition season worried about costumes getting in on time because again it costs more money to Mm -hmm. overnight them or somebody didn't have the money so they had to order late i think that that's something super important too like the cost to think about mm -hmm. when if you're at a competition studio if your friend or you're a parent and your child you know it's don't feel pressured to have them do competition or if you are having your kid do competition that's awesome but if you're you know your daughter or son's like best friend isn't doing competitions you need to just remember that Mm -hmm. it is expensive it can get very pricey depending on the costumes depending on where you're located in the united states or the world and where the competitions are located dependent on how your studio runs how much they charge for things so just being aware that these things even if that studio is able to give you a good deal and you're like pretty much in the center of it all, these things do add up. So like you should never feel guilty if you can't do it because it's just not like, don't feel guilty because we, it is a, it is a costly thing. And it's one of those things of like almost every studio owner that I know is blatantly upfront about cost way before season starts. Oh, because, yeah, mm, you and have if they, to be. If, if they're not, they're a poor studio, leave them anyway. And then, honestly, they're probably trying to jip you if they're not. Right, but most studio owners that I know that are worth their salt are like, this is how much everything costs up front, these are our payment plans, this is how it can be done. Yeah. So, yeah, I just... So, I because they don't, you know, they don't want to have a situation where, like Tony was saying earlier with that with that mother where you have to end up pulling your kid out last minute because it ruins their dances they got to go back and re-choreograph the kid's upset you know it's a whole big thing so most studio owners who are legitimate and just there to teach really well and do an awesome job at these competitions and open up these experiences for kids um they they will give you all of the info up front oh, yeah. and they will try to work with you or they'll be like this is what we can work with and then this is what we can't work with type of situation mm-hmm. um you know we also talked about and i'm sure we have some listeners out there that do ballroom i was remembering yeah. after college i worked at a, a relatively famous uh ballroom studio in new york city for um two ballroom choreographers and They, you know, would have, they would let their instructors and students compete. So, you know, depending, there's always your um, amateur, which is usually you would go as the student with your, and these are usually Mm -hmm. adults, by the way. Oh, yeah. You as a student would go with your instructor to compete. And then they went all the way up onto professional, where, like, some of the instructors were actually also partners performers, yeah. and performers, yeah. and they were partners. That's usually a lot of them. So they would compete together, or they would have an outside partner. Or we actually had um, a – she's a relatively famous choreographer. She's a contemporary choreographer who um, she would come in and take lessons, and she started to compete um, at the kind of, like, semi-pro because she was able to pick it up so well because she – is a dancer but wasn't mm-hmm. a ballroom dancer um but i ran kind of the logistics of the front desk i was the front desk manager so i was in charge of helping with all of the bookings for competitions when they would come up Oof. and i just remember i already thought competitions were expensive having grown up just doing it for only two years 
And mm-hmm. then I saw how ballroom competitions worked, and mm-hmm. they are wild. Mm-hmm. So there's four different genres in a ballroom competition. You have your standard, your Latin, which are your international styles, and you have your American rhythm and your smooth, which are American styles. You can, and I think there's generally, usually within those four to about 16 to 20 styles total, there's a lot of different styles, but the like the ones that you really see, like the meat and bones of what a competition has is between anywhere between like 16 and 20 different styles total across those four genres. Every single time, every single dance you want to compete in, you had to pay for it. Yep. So... If you wanted to do Roomba, Swing, Jive, and um, Samba, you had to pay for all of those. And then usually it was like if you did international, which is standard or um, Latin, those are usually a little more expensive because those are more considered like the pro, like professional styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing was, and I just remembered this, if you were competing as an amateur with your instructor, you not only had to pay for your entry, you had to pay for your instructor's entry because yep. you had to pay per person. It's always per person, yep. Not per not per couple, per person. And if you were an amateur coming from a studio, you had to also pay for your instructor's fees. And these dancers, like I was telling Tony before, like off air before, I would sometimes get, and the, I would sometimes get checks for three, four thousand dollars for this is one just their entry fees, though, one guys. competition, and this was just their entry fees. I did this not, not costumes, I did not handle costume shoes, not housing, makeup, any of that stuff, hotel. I didn't yeah. handle any of that. That was on their own. Just entry fees. I specifically remember the ones that wanted to kind of do it all do both American and um, international and wanted to, and then we're doing amateur with their instructor, three, $4,000 just for entries. And so this past weekend That's was insane. Um, the, is it salsa? I want to say Latin ballroom com- world competition down in Miami. And the dancer that I know was down there and he was uh, so uh, posting on social media uh, so watching his commentation commentary on everything was quite entertaining, but there was one particular moment where he zoomed in on the couple dancing. He's like, "Yeah, they're they're wonderful dancers. I'm not here about that. I'm here about the costumings because the jewels on some of her costumes were falling off as her partner was just hitting them dancing. I mean, don't get me wrong, that girl was twirling for days. It was beautiful, but they were hitting the floor. And I'm like, that is a, like, I'm sure that is a handmade well, custom dress most of where these, each of those yeah. rhinestones were set well, and by that's hand. Not even most of <laughs> all of these dresses. And then like men, there are these like very elaborate, expensive They're shirts They're still as just well. expensive. Like, but in terms of the dresses, because we all know those are like more crazy. Each dress is an individual original dress. Yep. There are dancers who will retire their dresses and sell them as a used dress, mm-hmm. but there's no two dress alike. And I am currently on Google right now, and um, the dress, like, like I'm looking at just like, like used, um, used smooth ballroom dress, five hundred dollars. Yeah, plain. And that's probably a deal. Just to get it yeah, out of the closet. Yeah, like these dresses plain, are. Expensive, plain man. black 
plain black smooth dress with literally no um no rhinestones like no lace no embroidery anything two hundred dollars used so then you're thinking you need usually how a ballroom competition works is like you do your dances one after another so you would have the same dress for all of your standard dances and you would have the same dress for all of your latin styles but that's still two dresses that's also if you only do round one Right. Because when you're dealing with the ballrooms, there are often usually more yes. tiers to the then competition. Then you get, then if, exactly. Then if so you like get to the like, finals, you better have another costume. You have a whole nother dress. So again, like this stuff gets very expensive so quickly. Like it's just astounding to me, like how easily one competition season can rack up an insane amount yeah. of money. For yeah. One competition. I mean, anything. Your normal studio is already going to cost a lot. So it's just. Um, yeah, I mean, money's just crazy, you know, so never, like, I would be like, you know, never question anyone's motives if they do or don't do a competition, but even more so than that, we're not trying to, like, tell people, like, be good people, but, like, just, like, they cost so much Just, money. like I said, I, I have sympathy on both sides, you know, like, seeing the, so I heard, it was a, it was a choreographer that spoke about that mom not doing it, and she... She just found out, so she kind of posted to the network, and she was angry about it. And I was like, from her standpoint, I get it. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and oh, tears yeah. into Oh, yeah, and now you have to re-choreograph something. And, and the thing and is, you like... Know, and other, what do you do with those other two kids that show up to rehearsal that day being like, hey, we can't rehearse because someone got pulled out. Right, and, and also, like... I, I get where that heartache comes like, from. Competition also is a reflection of, of you as a choreographer and as a studio teacher and owner. So it's right, 100... Because we get judged too. Yeah, it's 100... <laughs> it is 100% a reflection of your choreography. So, um, especially now, because some competitions will do, like, choreography awards. Yeah. But even when they don't do that, it is a reflection of you. So for you to have to redo your entire piece... I get how frustrating that is. And I've just, I've seen it on judges' sheet where they're like, great dancers were not used to the best of their abilities. Like, I've, I've seen it. Like, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I just think you have to look at it from all sides. Which brings us into another topic I kind of want to discuss is recreational kids versus, versus competition kids. Oh, yes. So, recently, this was never, a, if it was a thing when I was younger, I wasn't aware of it. But, rec, um... Recreational kids can also go to competitions and perform? Yeah, I think this is a relatively newer thing. Okay, but this is why I have such qualms about this. Is that this mom was completely talking my ear off about this competition where if she's like, my daughter is a recreational dancer. And I'm like, that's cool. And she's like, oh, but we took her to a competition. I said, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. She's like, no, no, no. It's a recreational category. Especially since competitions cost so much money. Thank you. But I'm like, okay, cool. Moving forward. Maybe you're rich. Whatever. Again, I don't know your income. I trust you. Moving on. But she was just like, but it was a recreational category. And I said, well, the problem that I have with a recreational category, how do you determine what's recreational? And she's like, well, the rule of thumb is you 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 have to have less than one year worth of training to be considered a recreational dancer. And I said, okay, that's still a little wonky to me. I said, but something that the reason why I still have an issue with that, I said, uh, as someone that goes into schools a lot of time with kids that have never taken dance, sometimes you find a magical gym. Like oh, I said, I've got it ha- prodigies. Same, same. I've I, got some kids that just pick up like they've been yeah. dancing. Like I even questioned, actually one of my boys, I caught, we were messing with him in tap class this week. 
And he, I was like, I swear, because he started taking ballet uh, recently. And I was like, and he was showing me stuff in ballet. I was like, how is your turnout that strong this early on? Did you, da- mm-hmm. tell the truth, like, did you dance when you were younger? He was like, no. He's like, I took hip hop before I met you. And then I took tap with you. And then after I took tap with you, I told my parents about it. And they were like, oh, well, if you want to try other styles, like, mm-hmm. we'll find a place where That's you can great. do it. Good for and they're parents. like, oh, yeah, they're so supportive. But it's one of those things of like, this child just has an innate understanding of his body and movement yeah. and rhythm. So if I were to throw him in a competition piece, you give me a solid... Four to five hours with this kid, he's gonna look very polished. That's a kid where I would be like, okay, yeah, let's let's do this, let's do this recreational competition thing, and let me pull that kid who like is just like innately talented and gets it. Where mom was angry though, but again, (laughs) mom was angry because her daughter did not score as high as she thought she should have because there was a girl in the recreational group that was cranking out fuetes. Who just is like innately talented. And everyone's like, there's no way she can learn that. She's had to have more than one year worth of dance. And I say, no again. All it says is under one year. She could be at 11 months and 10 days Mm -hmm. and have been, you know, came into a class that was learning fuetes and she just got properly aligned. Like, it's one of those things of like, I'm always, I'm very cautious to have a recreational dancer compete with a competition dancer because and I went through this so my dance team one of the frustrations of why I left my dance team is because we were from we are more or less a recreational group that we're trying to push them into the that we're trying to get kids competition ready mm-hmm. but we just did not have enough hours in the week to rehearse compared to a competition dancer like there was a particular competition where um, it wasn't even my team. It was the high school division. The high school division placed third. and Third? Third. Could be second. But they placed third. And they lost out to a studio that had... It wasn't a high school division. It was just the kids division. Because the first place team had kids younger than them. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids was like... One of my middle school kids that were sitting with some, he's like, I don't understand why we didn't place higher. I said, besides technical elements of the dance, I said, guys, you have to realize, I know that group. I know their studio group. I know how many hours a week they're putting in at the studio. Yeah. We don't, we don't hit that many hours. Like, it's just not feasible with the organization that we were working with to hit that many hours. You know, it's just not in between yeah. pay of teachers and space. Like, it was just not an option. Or, like, mindset of the parents. Like, sometimes your parents drive me crazy just trying to have three rehearsals a week. So, these competition t- competition kids are having four and five rehearsals a week on yeah. top of their classes. Yeah. You know, I had the rule where you had to at least take one technique class a week. Yeah. They're think- over here having to take four and five tech hours worth of technique a week on top Plus of rehearsals. Plus their rehearsals, yeah. You know, so like when you when you start to blur that line between recreational and, and and comp, I think you need to have adequate expectations of what that means and what and what uh, what the price that pays for I that recreational kid that's not ready for the competition. I role. think the only thing that I would be okay with is, and again, I don't know, I don't really know much about these recreational competition yeah, categories. They always seem weird. Um, I don't know how much they're charging for them or Ooh, how it's going to run. But the only thing I can see that's working is if you have a kid who is showing innate ability or maybe they come from a skating or a gymnastics or a cheerleading background. That's also really true. So they already have this like rhythm and they already kind of have like some sort of training that can be translated. 
Mm-hmm. And because, you know, if the rule is it has to be like a year or less to be recreational, say. So say that they move into dance and they're like, I'm interested in doing competitions and they're not super, sh- but they're not super sure and you're not super sure how it works. I could understand if you're like, okay, well, my son or daughter is someone who has shown interest, who I think could do well in the competition setting. So let's do one and kind of see if this is something we want to pursue. But see, I would still, I would but much rather like, put but... them in a competition piece in a large group number. No, I mean, I, I think versus I, the I agree. I, I just... think I still agree with that because I'm still like, you're going to have to pay so much Thank money you. for it still that I think it makes more sense just... to have them audition for the competition pieces if they're able to get in one then it's a great way to start. And if you're someone that's like, well, I want them to do a solo, or they're like, I want to do a solo, let them get that experience because... I was just thinking about, I think another requirement that I saw for one is like, it's also the amount of hours that you take a week qualifies you as recreational. Mm. But even still, like, I still challenge that because of the nature of how I teach. I see children for tap once a week. And we're we're doing pullbacks, guys. I've seen them for a couple months, right, and we're it also, pullbacks. It depends on the teacher and the choreographer and how you kind of run your classes and what right. you and, well, and expect just the, out of kids. And the how capability, you push them. the capability of your kids alone. Yeah. And I don't even think like I think you brought up a very good point when you talk about switching paths. Like, I dance with a fabulous dancer, Daniel Pearl. Love him. He came from like skating, so like he mm-hmm. already had wonderful alignment. So the second he understood creating his own momentum, the kid could turn his face off. Excuse me. And so like this, he was like, he could easily hit second turns, fuerte turns, just because he already understood body alignment from doing it on skates. Right. So like him jumping to being a dance major was, e- well, of course not easy, but like compared to someone that has never danced before, it wasn't such a far-fetched idea simply because he was coming from it. So... And I know, like, and he was from Florida, so I can only imagine, like, children that have, like, that have done gymnastics or, like, have had other paths. Well, and then my other question, too, is... And then you you get that weird, like, gymnastics dancer thing, but we'll talk about that. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do these competitions take place in the same weekend or yeah, it's just another category as because that's another category okay, it's like here's music, theater recreational category got it. it's still a bunch of BS, got it because here's but. my other thing we talked about this the first time we talked about competitions um competitions can get very nasty too so i don't i wouldn't put your child who's maybe had a year x amount of number of hours or below of dancing in an environment where adults are going to be... With momagers. Yeah. We did a, like... Adults are going to be extremely nasty to each other. Oh, yeah. They're going to be nasty to children. Kids are going to steal and sabotage from each other. Again, I had a great experience doing competitions. There's some great stuff about it. But don't get me wrong. All that stuff you see uh, they were all on the ones dance moms... I performed were lovely. Happens. I worked some where I have had to be that person like... Ma'am, you literally cannot boo a child. I yeah. had to be that person. It still happens. No matter, like, even if you have the best experience ever, that stuff still happens. And I just don't think it's healthy to put a child or a family in an environment where that's going to happen if you just want to do this for fun. And especially when I think of, like, a child that only dances, like, you take two dance classes a week and, you, you know, like, you got talked into in the competition and you're like, cool, great, I got to learn a solo or a duet or whatever you... And then go to a competition and you have to deal with that. Again, I think with that child with natural talent, I'm sure this mom, like I said, she was ranting to me because I'm her child's dance teacher. But 
I have no doubt that there were some parents there that were really nasty towards that child. I'm sure. That was doing cuetes because they're like, why is she even in this category? Mm -hmm. So I just have concerns about recreational children performing in a competition setting, which brings us along to the like, everyone gets trophies nowadays. So yeah, that was not a thing. Tony and I were talking about this before (laughs) we started recording. When I was 10, 11, 12 years old, this was not a thing. You either got placed or you didn't get placed. I distinctly and remember that was that. my dad being like, son, you weren't good enough this time. Well, and that was going <laughs> like, to say, we actually did. Time. I remember I remember my first year, like, we, there was a competition where we didn't get placed. We didn't even get bronze. It was our first one as a group, and it mm-hmm. wasn't good, and we didn't, we didn't get placed. And we just, we weren't, the piece wasn't ready. And then as we kind of went on, we got, you know, silver and gold and whatever. But it wasn't, depending on the competition... Most of the competitions I went to were straight up bronze, silver, gold. Yeah. Like Olympic style, right? And then usually you would have like first place in your age range. The first place piece. Oh, Or yeah. the first place piece of the whole competition, you know, yeah. or whatever and it was. I'm, I'm fine with that because like it definitely like minis and preteens should not like they're you're judged on two different categories oh 100 percent. so i'm totally fine with like first place of minis and first place of preteens yeah and it would be you know you so you'd be with your category so it'd be like gold juniors goes to blah 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 yeah most of them were straight up gold silver bronze there was um a couple i went to star power was one specifically that i did where star power does do platinum gold high silver silver bronze so they do five. Now I will say, and first place, I will say that they are the harsh on judging. So the fact that they have five doesn't really concern me. And they would usually do a lot of entries. But like that was the most you could get. And if you didn't get placed, you didn't get placed. And you didn't get a fucking participation trophy. Well, that's the thing that got you me. You got nothing. I, I have been at competitions where they're like, they handed out a first place and a third place trophy. And they said, your performance was not worth second place. It was worth third place. And that's what you're getting. Now, that was a little harsh to me. But I'm like, yeah. if it wasn't... And the reason why they did it, because this was region? Regionals? I think I think it was... It was in like regionals or county. Like, it was a smaller division that was going to state. Mm-hmm. And they, like, third place would still send them to state. But they were just like, you're worthy of state. But, like, understand you are on mm. the bottom of what's going to be at state right now. Right. You've got to improve. But we even... So that was the intention behind Because, like, with the adjudications, we I also had a lot of adjudications at a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm finding isn't as common anymore just because of how nasty people get. But, like, it was mm-hmm. always, like, with us... After you wrapped, you pulled to the, like, for theater, even for dance, there were still live adjudications. After your piece, you came and you sat in the sections, and the judges came down, and they, like, they would, they would talk, they would say all the positive stuff, too, but they were definitely, like, they said it in a nice way, but they, they would definitely be, like, yeah, that part needs to be a little tightened yeah, up, or they would be, like, is this a director choice, or it's, like, hey, director, catch me afterwards, I want to mention some stuff to you, mm-hmm. you know, and then we would also still get the judges' sheets, where they would break down into yeah. details, but it's one of those things of just, I don't. I mean, because I did. I remember one year at when you're no at Star Power. Well. When no you're at Star Power, well. the the dance I did, we placed gold and first place. But they didn't give out. They didn't give out a platinum for mm. juniors. And it, I think it was one of those things as well where they were like, "This dance is great. We're going to give a gold, and we're also going to give it first. But do we think it was platinum worthy? No. And you know. 
that's fine. I we were still great. We were still so excited to get gold. Like, and I think it's just, I think it's just the caliber of preparedness. Because the thing that I always try to explain to my kids that do competitions or do auditions when they're younger, when you translate that to the professional world, if you don't. If you don't get the job, you don't eat. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's the kind of way I put it. So it's like, there is no second place. If there's only one job, there's only one job. They're only yeah. going to hire one person. So, like, while you did a really great job, but this person has five MBAs and 10 years worth of experience. Well, and I just Sorry, think that... you know, like... I just think that the participation, like, listen... I kind of get it. Like, you came yeah. out today, you tried your best. No. Blah, 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 blah. However, I just think that it's setting a false pretense of, like, the way that your other competitions are going to work, your future's going to work. Or audition, because, like... Auditions, This is why life. it doesn't work for me, because I've been that choreographer where it's like, oh, your parents really have boosted up your head to make you think that you're the hot shit. Everyone in this room can do what you can do. Oh, like, same. That, and I feel like it starts yeah. at that younger age with that, like, everyone deserves an award or everyone deserves that they've done something special I, I just I work in New York City, guys. Like yeah. everybody here has And we a unfortunately level of right now, like we are living in the era of participation awards. And we're living oh. in the era of, oh, you tried, like here's a gold medal, which I don't agree with. Every boss that has especially asked me to being, do that. Especially being a teacher. Right. Every boss that asked me to do that, I constantly be like, Do I have to? And they're like, Yes, mm-hmm. you have to. I was like, Cool, so can you do it and just put my name on it? Because I can't lie to children yeah i just don't think i mean if it's gonna be if you're gonna invest in competitions and do competition dancing let it be a legitimate competition dancing let it be a real competition and have them work for something and try to obtain something and just go out there and do their best and it's okay if you don't place you're gonna go back you're gonna fix things and try again next time create a still positive experience but a positive experience does not have to mean that you get something shiny at the end of every single day. Of course. And I can think it can also be a healthy dose of reality. Because I know theater competitions that we did when we were younger, um, ninth grade through 11th grade, we were in 4, 4A or 5A. Division 4A or 5A, I can't quite remember. I know it's 4 or 5. We were always up against this one school. Um, oh God, Northside, which was south of us, surprisingly. But Northside had their own personal theater. It was called the Rayhorn Theater. Rayhorn was a big guy, like, that had produced theater shows for, like, throughout the state of Georgia. But, like, the theater, their own, it was their own personal theater space, unlike the rest of us. Like, we had a county facility that, like, Mm -hmm. we all kind of rotated through. It's their own personal theater space that they rehearsed in every single day. So there was no moving to the theater. It was theirs. They could build their sets on stage. They also had an insanely big budget for just sets yeah. and costumes. Like, they had a full-time choreographer, a full-time director, a full-time MD, and Ray Horn, who was not the head of the program anymore. He was kind of just like a producer that was there. Yeah. He was a retired, he was the retired drama teacher. So Ray would still come in and use his years of experience to have this school, help this school pump out insane. They did Cats. Like, this was a high school that did Cats. Yeah. Like, we could never compete with them. And so, yeah. like, they always, they did Cats and Les Mis. Like, they were always doing, like, massive shows. We could never compete with that. Yeah. So, we always placed second or third to them. And it really, like, I remember, oh, God, what show was it? 
It might have been 42nd Street. I, it was. I learned how to tap dance, and I still lost to those little monsters. I was pissed. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we learned a whole new style of dance, and we still lost to them. And my parents were just the best ones being like, do you think it's not going to be this way if you keep doing this in the industry? And, like, of course, teenage me didn't want to hear that at the time. But right. it was a good, healthy dose of reality. I mean, and then, granted, when we moved divisions my senior year, we were like, no holds barred. We're going to win. And we did. Right. We, we went to state. It also but just, it also just, just like, like, pushes you. Reality. Um, and it's reality. So I just, being a teacher uh, and seeing all this, like, participation award firsthand life that we're living right now, mm -hmm. not a fan. Last thing I want to talk about when it comes to competition 2.0, tricks and stunts. Ugh, we all know I hate tricks. I... Now, I will say, I am a sucker for a really good, well-executed lift. Yeah, but I don't consider One. that a trick. One. I don't, con I mean, I guess it's kind of a stunt, but I don't really, I don't consider it a trick. Not because fair. if it fits in the, in the, in the story of the dance, it makes sense. I love lifts. That's fair. I'm about lifts. They have to, but it has to, you know, kind of fit. I am not a fan of tricks. And by tricks, I mean illusions, aerials. Oh, a billion fuertes just because the a music is building fuertes. to a crescendo. Um, no, I'm flips. No. Nope. Handsprings, walkovers, touching your toes to your head when you're like sitting, laying on your belly, like boat pose in yoga, but then going all the way over like that stuff. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I not just, a fan. Just. It's not just dance. Nine times. I, I would, no, I'll go so far as to say that they are dance. Nine times mm -hmm. out of ten, they don't fit the song or the choreography. No. It's just basically. This 10-year-old child said, hey, I can do a walkover. Can we put it in the dance? And they were like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but it has nothing to do no. with the dance. And it artistically no. make, does not make the dance look good. Mm. I also don't love switch leaps. Like, I'll settle for a switch leap. I don't like them. I don't think they look nice. Give me a good second leap. Yeah. Give me a good second. I think that's also, I had a college professor who, oh, my God, God bless her, Christy Johnson. Crazy turning lady. Um, she all... I say that because the only she was a college professor that taught modern and jazz. Her modern style I basically stole. That's why I teach Lamone now. Um Lamone and floor work. Um, but for her jazz class, she only graded us on pirouettes. That's why I'm a hardcore turn to this day. And we yes. argued her down about this. And she goes, Because structurally if something is wrong, mm -hmm. I'm gonna see it in the pirouette. So testing you on anything else is a waste of my time. Mm. And we would, con we would constantly challenge her on it. And she would be like, here, let's try it. Yeah. And she would have us sit and watch. And she goes, tell me what's wrong with this person. And they were like, oh, it's probably that their hamstring is too tight. Mm -hmm. You saw that in the pirouette, didn't you? Yeah, I guess I did. So why am I going to waste my time giving you an exam on something? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, so she just, like, crazy turning lady. But she would always say, I would much rather see a clean single pirouette yeah. that stops and is uncontrolled than seeing someone fall out of a triple. Yeah. And... I used to think she was crazy for it, but now that I'm on the other side of the table, I go, absolutely. Give me a nice, clean single versus someone that's flying across the stage yeah. with bad turnout or things like that. Like, it just, it, no. no. No, I no, just, no, like, no. I I know it's become a really big craze in the competition thing, but mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't agree with tricks. And you know what? I don't judge competitions, and I'm never going to work for a studio that, does con that I become a competition uh, teacher and choreographer for, so... You know, I guess my word doesn't necessarily matter, but I just, I don't see, there, I'm there, not There are competition seeing, judges that agree with us out there, I'm too. not seeing true dancing when your whole number is based around tricks. 
when your whole piece is based around tricks, I can't see any actual legitimate dancing and technique. Where are the transitions? Where's the art artistry? Where's the where's the technique of a pirouette turn? There because all I'm seeing is you do these crazy walkovers, these crazy grab or the, or the grab yeah, the tilt and the grab your leg while you turn, but it's the, like oh, um, extension turns. Yeah. Like I just Again, I love a nice clean line. I'm okay with one of them. But, like, it's one of those things that just because you have, like, every child at this competition can stretch their legs, you know, can kiss their knee. In right. The air. Like, so, like, I needed to actually say something. Yes. You know, I think that is the overriding thing that I think gets lost when you kind of overload it with tricks is that we just simply lose a lot of the, like, this is what we do. So, I, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah. Well, let's move right along to a new section, which we added for year number two, is I love dance, but this one for me tags right along with competition season. Um, a male dance teacher, so I know he was especially aggressed out by this, was sitting at a competition this past weekend, and he looked up on stage, and I don't know the age group, and I do not want to know the age group, but I'm sure they were children under the age of 18. He looked up on stage, and he says, I see six camel toes. This is why tights are important. It's disgusting. That is utterly disgusting. And so, of course, I see this, and I immediately text it to Danielle, because I know she would be just as confused and grossed out as I was. Also, uncomfortable <laughs> for the dancers, so I'm confused. Um, so, again, as a male dance teacher, I am constantly around young women and young girls, so there's a, a level of stuff I know I have to deal with. But I refuse to have to deal with camel toe when all you had to do is put on a piece of damn tights. Like, that's it. That's all the problem. Put on tights. Put on tights. Like, it's just not, like, I'm sure every, I'm sure that every mom, dad, grandma in the room that saw that was uncomfortable. And then, heaven forbid, if someone went back, because I'm sure there's some asshole kid that went back and told these children that that happened. Yeah. And so now all those girls are horrendously embarrassed simply because they did not wear tights. Yeah. Like, that's an easily solvable thing. But, like... It's true. I love dance, but I hate when parents or studios challenge us on tights. It's the age-old tradition for a reason. Yeah. It simply is. Um, I have an I love dance, but I have a girl in my um, like elite dance club of my third graders, and we were recording a piece last week to go out for an audition for a festival submission, and... Mom, you know, I, I texted all the parents and I said, please have your kids bring a set of black pants and a black shirt to wear. So for the recording, mom's seen the dance before. This is the second time you recorded. No issues. I get a phone call at 645 last Friday morning on the train in the morning. No. Mom freaking out. Please, if you're recording this video, like... I need your word that she's going to be completely covered, that she is not going to be in anything scandalous. And it just went on the mat because I couldn't pick up the phone because I was on the train. The message went on and on. Calls mom when I got to work. And I was like, well, mom, like you've seen the dance board. And she was like, honestly, she was like, Miss Calendula, it's not you. It's just like my daughter. She's starting to get to that age where she like she wants to like tie her shirt up with a rubber band and like roll it up and like I'm just not okay Pause. with that. Did you say this was third graders? Yeah. Okay, keep going. And she was like, "Can you just like please though like I, I you know on the weekends when she's not because the our kids wear uniforms 
on the weekends when she's not in uniform. Like, I have to fight with her about, like, certain shirts and pants. So, like, please, I know you're recording this. Like, I cannot have this go out into the world if her behind is, is being shown in tight pants. And I literally was like, Mom, like, I was like, it's literally going to a group of professionals who are adjudicating it for this and it's only living on that it's not going on the internet at all right. it's living on my phone and it's being sent to these people and also like nobody's looking at that and so I had a promise mom and I ended up having to take a big black t-shirt that the art teacher uses as smocks yeah. and turn it inside out and have her wear it over her tank top she already had on so that like everything was completely covered and you know mom was great about it after mom's like thank you so much I so appreciate it like you're the best like blah blah but it also was like mom like you I also was like but you you've literally seen the past like one two three four five dance shows that I've choreographed for this school I... have anything I've ever done or any costume she's ever worn been been inappropriate so I wasn't sure, and I know she kept being like, well, it's not you, it's my daughter. Uh, I love dance, but don't blame a dance teacher for how your child acts when right. I'm not around. But then also, me, I'm, like, I'm like, I there, I haven't had an issue with her trying to like roll up her clothes or anything in dance, so that's why I was also like super confused. Anyway, it all got worked out, it's oh. all good in the end, but oh. it was one of those moments of like, this is, that's not my Friday story. I mean, I could make an argument for children rebelling with school uniforms. But I won't. Um, so my shout out for this week is a former guest from the show, Ian Coulter Buford. Um, just had a reading workshop reading. I want to say reading. Did they sit the whole time? Um, no, it was a stage reading. It wasn't. It wasn't indeed, indeed a stage reading for a new musical called Fat Kids Ruled the World. Um, and it was my second time seeing this show, and it's had a wonderful changes and things like that. So I just want to give him a shout out to that. Because that, I, and checking them out on social media, all of their stuff is fatkidrulestheworld.com and so forth. Um, this show has had a wonderful life and I foresee it continuing on for several years and who knows where it might end up um, in the coming years and coming months. So I just want to give out a shout out to that cast. That's exciting. I don't have a class <laughs> shout out or any shout out right now, but I will have one next week because I To be fair, this is... The, you just completed your first full week back. Well, yes. Yeah, your first yeah, full week this back. This is only my second week back, yeah. Um, and I do yeah, have some... I'm going on three. I do have some um, classes and training scheduled, so we'll be. I can talk about those when those nice. happen starting next week. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say a special thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. You can also find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at PointPYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of an NYC dance teacher.